Welcome in, and thank you for joining. I am Dr. Deepak Chona with SportsMed Analytics. We're excited to talk NFL injury today. We also want to let you know you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube, and of course, wherever you get your podcasts. So let's dive right in. We got a busy slate. We start with Matt Stafford. What he's most likely dealing with is a partial ulnar collateral ligament tear. That's the Tommy John ligament that baseball pitchers often tear. Treatment for this, he's had a PRP injection. He's been through some rehab. Generally pretty successful combination. So sitting out of camp is actually not all that alarming. I know you're seeing all sorts of quotes from Ian Rappaport to Darlington on ESPN saying they are potentially worried. But this is actually not a setback here. Matthew Stafford's plan of treatment was to rehab his elbow. He's getting a little stronger. He's getting it sore because he hasn't used it for throwing intensely for a long time. And now he's resting. He's got another five, six weeks before the season starts up. And during that time, we expect him to feel much better. He may be battling this issue on and off throughout the season, but it's really not likely to keep him out of actual game action or drastically affect his performance once the season starts. If you look back, he did say he had this tear or this injury rather early or late into last season, but in the playoffs last year, he was throwing the ball about 40 times a game. He was averaging about 300 yards on 70% completions per game. Now, this this type of injury is really mostly going to affect the deep ball and any sort of bullet passes that he has to throw. But for the majority of throws, I wouldn't really even expect it to be that much of an issue. So overall, low concern for Matthew Stafford. We'd rate that around a 3 out of 10. It does, worth, it does warrant monitoring, though. Then we look at Chris Godwin. So he had his January ACL surgery and he's now he's running with a brace it looks like he's not cleared for contact practice from what we can tell based on the videos and that would really be right on schedule with a seven-month post-op patient for an acl he's had a very smooth recovery is what it tells us and we're glad to see him back on the field but the average acl return timeline for for an nfl wide receiver is still nine to ten months on on average and if he does come back earlier, which is a possibility coming back by weeks one through three, we're looking at a player who's not likely to be 100% of himself from an explosiveness standpoint and from an endurance standpoint. So our data, our algorithm factors in the player's pre-injury metrics, their age, their injury history, and another of other things and uses a combination of machine learning with an NFL database going back about 20 years and it predicts Chris Godwin to be about 85% of his full self in mid-October now again he could come back in September but we would expect to see him on a snap count or not that explosive not putting up the numbers you're used to seeing from Chris Godwin so if you're drafting him for fantasy you have to weigh how much you want to risk those early season games he probably will be really excelling 90% or so of himself by November. But do you want to wait that long is the question. And everyone's got a different threshold here. But uh, Chris Godwin is so far so good in terms of his healing process. Uh, really no setbacks as, as far as we can tell. Next on the docket, we're going to the Jacksonville Jaguars backfield. Now we have James Robinson and Travis Etienne both coming off injury. But that 
offense should be much better than it was last year. Obviously, Urban Meyer, all sorts of issues there with his professionalism and the uh, sophistication of his coaching schemes. Put another year under the belt of Trevor Lawrence, add some wide receivers. That offense should look much better. But what do we expect from the backfield? Well, we look at James Robinson. Now, a December Achilles tear historically has taken 12 to 14 months to come back from. And if that were the case, then James Robinson basically missed the entire season this year. But Cam Akers turned those expectations upside down when he came back last year in about six months. Now, the key with the Achilles and the reason that you don't see players coming back that often is not because of an elevated re-injury risk. It's more so because of the explosiveness. The Achilles is involved in quick and agile movements off the base of the toes. And for a running back, there really is nothing more important. And you see that with Cam Akers. He came back at six months. He went from averaging 4.3 yards per carry down to 2.6. Now, our algorithm, as we mentioned earlier, projected Cam Akers last year when he came back to be at 75% of his explosive ability. And for James Robinson, it projects him at 80%. Now, James Robinson at 80% means that, one, he's probably not going to be the main ball carrier or pass receiver in Jacksonville. And two, we have to look at what it means for Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne had his Liz Frank injury about a year ago now. And these injuries take 10 to 11 months. They're pretty real injuries. And uh, for that reason, they take the extended timeline for running backs to come back from. They also affect agility. But with the case of Etienne, we look at his athletic metrics, which were somewhere in the 80th percentile. And we look at his age, young. We look at his draft stock, which was quite high. And we say, overall, we do expect a near full recovery for Travis Etienne. At this point in time, we would say he's somewhere in the 90 to 95% range of where he will likely be for uh, his trajectory without injury. So with factoring all of this into consideration, James Robinson at 80% versus Travis Etienne starting the season at around 95. We're expecting a big load for Travis Etienne. He's currently going in the roughly fourth round i'm snagging him in round three in most drafts and james robinson is going somewhere around pick 110 which is okay he will probably be useful late in the season but in that range you know you're you're also looking at wide receivers that could make a difference and it really just depends on your roster construction and your personal level of patience on whether you should take him or not there Moving next to an injury we've been positive on for about a year now, Michael Thomas. Yes, it was sketched the way they handled this last year. He was initially tried non-operative treatment, and then it didn't work out, and he ended up having surgery, missed the whole season essentially, and now we're left wondering what to expect. Well, the thing with this injury that works in his favor is, one, the fact that it was almost treated non-operatively suggests that it wasn't incredibly severe to begin with because if it was he would have had surgery right from the jump and secondly with this type of surgery that he had it was an ankle ligament stabilization procedure this is usually a four to six month recovery for for nfl wide receivers and they usually return at pretty much full strength without any major durability concerns now 
Thomas, as we said, is about a year from this surgery already. And at this point, there would be no reason to suspect that he hasn't fully recovered. I know you're hearing a lot of medical analysts out there saying perhaps this year away from the game will have impacted him and he will have lost a step. But there's no real evidence to suggest that. There's no data and there's no video evidence. So I would say draft Michael Thomas. You're getting him right now in round seven, and I'm trying to pick him up. I would reach for him by round six easily, round five even, because Michael Thomas has a potential to be a top 15 wide receiver, perhaps even higher. And that takes us to our next player, Jameis Winston. So he tore his ACL last year. He wasn't putting up amazing stats last year, but again, the offense looked very different. He had no Michael Thomas, no Chris Olave, and again, once he got injured, we obviously didn't see Jameis, so people may be sleeping on him right now. You're getting him in the QB mid-20 tier, and quarterbacks coming off of ACLs do tend to perform very well. It's not something that causes setbacks the way it can do for running backs and wide receivers the average quarterback tends to bounce right back to their pre-injury production and that's especially more true for the pocket quarterback like Jameis Winston add in Olave Michael Thomas uh, healthy Alvin Kamara who may start the season without a suspension now and Jameis Winston could be a little bit of a sleeper pick for especially for super flex or two QB leagues all right, and then J.K. Dobbins. Now, this one has gotten a little spicy. Ian Rappaport a couple of weeks ago, or about a month ago, said J.K. Dobbins probably going to miss week one. And Dobbins, right afterwards, said he will damn sure be ready. Now, that is pretty spicy of a take. For J.K. Dobbins, we have to remember that his injury, at least as far as the reporting goes, was not just an ACL, but also had a ligament on the outside of the knee. And those combined injuries, as opposed to ACL tears, which take about 10 months for running backs to come back from, the combined injuries generally average closer to about 15. So we factor in a late August 2021 injury, so of basically full year ago. And if you just take the average timeline for the this return, it would be about 15 months, and that puts him into November, which is probably why Ian Rappaport was saying what he did. But the key here is that these timelines are not just impacted by the injury themselves, but in our in the Sportsman Analytics database, there's also three more variables there. One is age, which works in Dobbins' favor. He's obviously very young. Two is draft stock. He was drafted by the Ravens in the second round, so he is pretty much... It works in his favor there. And then third is pre-injury athletic metrics. And though J.K. Dobbins did not really have NFL combine numbers to cite for us, we look at his spark score coming out of high school, which is a measure of overall athleticism, and he was the top-rated running back in the country. So again, these factors all work in J.K. Dobbins' favor, and our algorithm alone, not factoring in any of this extra statements by Dobbins himself says that there is a 75% chance of J.K. Dobbins with that profile coming back by week one. And that in combination with the fact that Dobbins himself has said that he will be ready and he is off the pup. And furthermore, that Gus Edwards, his counterpart in the backfield, is not going to play. 
all leads us to think J.K. Dobbins will be ready. Now, what type of player are we going to expect? And this one is hard because typically we do see a pretty significant drop-off when you have these combined ligament injuries to the knee. But again, factoring in the other aspects of Dobbins' game, and particularly his pre-injury efficiency, if you look at his yards per carry, this is a guy that should actually bounce back pretty well. We would expect him to be somewhere around 85% of his normal self around week one. And the other question becomes, are the Ravens going to use him and to what degree? And how much does Lamar Jackson's running depress Dobbins' value? Very hard to answer those questions, obviously. And, but if you look at Lamar Jackson, last year having a major injury for really the first time in his career, he had to miss games. We'd expect him to try to stay more in the pocket and because running as a quarterback of as you probably predict does increase your injury rate per play so with that all in mind the threat of lamar jackson running probably increases dobbins running lanes and in, in space but the fact that lamar jackson probably is not as inclined to run as he was before after coming off this injury means that dobbins may have actually a boost in value now the ravens have a deep backfield so we'll see how they play that. But again, Dobbins is a pretty good target if you're looking for a guy in a zero RB type set draft setup or strategy. And it's very reasonable, I think, to take a chance on him where he's going right now, uh, somewhere in the ADP around 40 RB 21 roughly. So J.K. Dobbins, I'm, I'm in in some formats on this guy. All right. And then our last guy for today, we're going to talk about Derek Henry. Now, Derrick Henry, of course, missed time last year with a Jones fracture, and that's a broken bone in his foot. Now, this year, going into this year, people are asking, is this a sign of him breaking down? Is the Jones fracture likely to recur? Great questions. But if you look at the Jones fracture itself, Debo Samuel has had this. In the NBA, Kevin Durant has had this. Neither has had a recurrence. The recurrence rates of this fracture are less than 10% once it's healed. So you have to imagine that's probably not what's going to get him if, it, if anything does this year. But you look at the total summation of Derrick Henry's career, he has over 1,400 carries. And it doesn't look like 1,400 is the threshold where we need to be concerned about running backs breaking down. It does look like that number is closer to 1,800. So maybe next year I will be a little more concerned. But there also is data to suggest that there are two categories of running backs, and one of them is a high-volume, high-durability type. And if we look at what that means, it's running backs who can take 250, 300-plus carries year after year and still perform at about the same level without getting hurt. Obviously, eventually, that doesn't hold up based on their age but Derrick Henry as I said the data doesn't suggest that it's going to be this year it probably suggests that it's more likely going to be next year or the year after so for the time being in non-PPR formats I think it's very much worth taking Derrick Henry uh, since he's certainly proven himself aside from last year having not really missed any time for injury he's proven himself to be in that high durability high volume category now, one thing to keep in mind with running backs, they do on average miss about two games per season. They're the most injury-prone position. And furthermore, running backs who run the ball rather than catch the ball are at the highest rate of injury per play. 
receptions, which are going to be more seen with your guys like Saquon Barkley, even Christian McCaffrey, do pose a lower injury risk per play. And as a result, Derrick Henry, by the stats, is in the highest risk group. But again, if you're in a non-PPR format and you are looking for a surefire stud to start you off your team, Derrick Henry is a very reasonable way to go. And you know the Titans are going to run him heavy. And you also know from history that he can endure those workloads. Again, one year of having one fracture doesn't make a player injury prone or give me a concern that he's breaking down. We'll revisit that conversation next year or the year after for Derrick Henry. But I think for now, the king is still alive. And that is all we got for today. We will be back soon. You hit us up on all of our social media sites to tell us who you want us to talk about next. And again, we are here to provide your number one most accurate injury analysis in the game. That is not my opinion. That has been proven. So do hit us up and we will look forward to seeing you soon.